great to be with you as uh, we kick off the NFL season, albeit the Pro Football Hall of Fame game underway from Canton. That was a, a, a weather delay of, what, 35, 40 minutes? Uh, they had some lightning in the area. Uh, they still have some rain around Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, but they are playing. And the uh, Las Vegas Raiders have a 6 nothing lead on the Jacksonville Jaguars as they've crossed the midway point of quarter number one. Uh, we'll watch that game. Why, you ask? Um, I'll tell you coming up in just a little while. Uh, great to have you in here on ESPN Honolulu. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the guys here on the Sports Animals. Uh, we are at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You can text us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals, and you can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. Uh, why do we watch the Pro Football Hall of Fame game? Uh, especially when it's a more of a laundry list of who is not playing as compared to who is playing. Um, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, this is one of those rare times where I think we can keep the fandom uh, alive instead of, you know, normally in, in these situations where we just kind of, uh, you know, we, we just kind of put the fandom to the side. Nobody cares about our fandom. Uh, people care just a little bit more about, uh, you know, opinions that are, are, aren't, you know, that shaded in fandom. They don't care if I'm a Packers fan. They don't care if uh, Chris is a Steelers fan or if Gary Dickman likes every single team that's in the New York metropolitan area. And there's a lot of them. Um, they just want good and reasoned opinions. But, you know, it's it's one of those times where, Preseason games are truly more for diehard fans. Uh, you know, you, you want to see, because you know you're not going to see a, a lot of the guys that you're going to see in week one. So you're going into this game if you're a Raiders fan and you just want to know, hey, um, what do we have if someone goes down? If Derek Carr goes down and uh, I'm looking at my second string quarterback right now on the field, how good do I feel? Um, when I look at the depth of our defense, how good should I feel about the depth of our defense? You know, things like that. Uh, if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, um, first off, you exist. Secondly, I, I don't know what you're watching for because Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. Travis Etienne's not playing. Um, you're not watching to see Doug Peterson coach a preseason game. So... I'm not entirely sure exactly what you're watching for if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. But uh, but other than that, you know, it's it's really more as a football fan celebrating football. And that's kind of what we get to do in a legendary stadium as part of a football weekend. The enshrinement's coming up on Saturday. And, you know, the other part of it is for some of these teams – if you're, I think for teams that I think have an expectation to be good, um, this is also an important game. You get a fourth preseason game. And I know for some people that's kind of a drag, but when you are trying to, to cut down and trim down your rosters and get the best 50-some-odd on your roster, these games are, are kind of important. So when you have them, 
and uh, you have the opportunity to to play an extra game to give guys who are at the back end uh, a few more reps, uh, you absolutely take it. And especially, I believe, in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. Because I think there are some high expectations for that team as we get to see them you know, first and foremost, especially for them, I, I think it's it's pretty big. For Jacksonville, I think you're just you're you're looking a couple of years out to see, you know, what is it exactly that we have that we can look forward to. Uh, earlier today, this was on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Honolulu, also on ESPN Plus. Uh, ESPN NFL analyst Lewis Riddick on how he thinks Josh McDaniels is going to do in Las Vegas as the uh, coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Take a listen. What went wrong for him by his own doing during his time in Denver, how he was trying to be something that he's not, trying to be someone who he's not, and he wasn't honest with himself and wasn't being his authentic self. And he learned a lot from that, taking a lot of lumps, and rightfully so for that. And he went back to the drawing board during his time back in New England again. He's a guy who was a fantastic coach. There's no question about that. He can X and O with the best of them. He communicate, can communicate with the best of them on the practice field. He can call games with the best of them when it counts the most, not just during the regular season, but obviously in the biggest of moments. So he's a guy who now takes everything that he learned from Denver, everything that he then worked on and tried to perfect during his second stint in New England when he went back there, and now has a chance to do it his way, not try to do it Bill's way, not try to do it the Patriot way, but try to do it the Josh McDaniels way, and I think you'll see him do that. If there is anybody under the uh, Bill Belichick coaching tree that I think has the ability to break out and do it their own way, it's probably Josh McDaniels. Uh, I think maybe if not more than anybody, but likely as much as anybody to have that opportunity to, uh, to be his own. And I think as an offensive mind, the natural uh, creativity that comes along with it allows you to just you know, not be so well, you know, stuck up in that role. I, I think being uh, a head coach with an offensive focus like he does, I think will allow him to be a little more open. And, and frankly, being in Vegas, I think is also going to help him because you're going to have to loosen up in Vegas. Just imagine somebody like Bill Belichick coaching in Las Vegas. Just think about that for a moment. Um, in the entertainment capital of the world, where you've got all sorts of distractions around you, where you are expected to be entertaining, whether that means you're winning or not, as long as you're entertaining. And imagine just the buttoned-up Bill Belichick, who every week is just like, uh, we're, uh, we're off to Cincinnati. And, uh, and you know, after, after a win... Yeah, our, our our guys played well. We're uh, looking forward to next week. We've got some things to build on. It, that that would not fly in Las Vegas. Bill Belichick could not coach the Las Vegas Raiders if 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 he even wanted to. Uh, but Josh McDaniels will get that chance, and I think he, I I I do think he will have a great opportunity to succeed in Vegas. Now, as I said earlier, what are the reasons that we're watching the Pro Football Hall of Fame game? Um, I think one of them, we'll see when we get to see Myron Tongavailoa Amosa in the game for Las Vegas. He's listed uh, third string, I believe, at, at his position. So 
whether we see him, I think we I think we have a good opportunity to see him. It might be more, uh, you know, somewhere in the second half that we potentially see him. But if you're watching, if you happen to turn on the uh, the NBC broadcast, you can listen to the game. By the way, on CBS 1500, uh, he is wearing number 69. Uh, you'll see him along the defensive end, but probably later in the game. He's a third stringer. He is one of those guys, and, and we'll go back to what we said earlier. Um, he is one of those individuals that I think can definitely use that uh, that fourth preseason game. Because uh, when you're listed, when you when you come in as third on the depth chart, as he is, as was, uh, was released the other day, uh, that usually means that you are one of those guys who uh, is going to get a lot of work, and I think will have a lot to uh, to need to prove to be order, uh, you know, in in order uh, to to be able to hang on to the roster. I mean, he was not someone who was drafted. Remember, he was uh, he was picked up by the Las Vegas Raiders as an undrafted free agent. So even more so. It's not like there is this just you know given ability that. All right, uh, he's drafted, so he's going to be on the team. No, 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 no. He wasn't drafted. Uh, he comes on with, you know, like some of those other guys who are undrafted free agents or guys who are making like the veteran minimum or whatever they're making just to be on a roster and hope to make the cut. Um, you know, he is one of those guys that is in that kind of, um, you know, bubble range, if you will. So uh, if he can get a lot of time on the field, especially in that second half, if he can make some plays um, and look impressive, you know, try to cut down on penalties, all of that stuff, then, you know, maybe that's an opportunity that he stays on that roster at least for a little while or uh, plays well enough that maybe he gets cut by the Raiders and earns an opportunity somewhere else. We'll see. But he is, uh, I think, out of uh, anybody we're watching for, which includes fumbles and roughing the passer penalties. And, yeah, we just had a fumble in this game. Uh, out of everybody we're watching for, I think he's really the one uh, that has uh, much of the interest. And, of course, there are a lot of Las Vegas Raiders fans here. So, naturally, you will have a lot of people listening in or, or watching in be, uh, because that is their team. And, and that, is, uh, that is certainly understandable. But that will lead us, I think, into the uh, to the bigger picture of, of the expectations for a lot of those teams. How I would put the Raiders coming into this year, this has to be a playoff year. And, and it's an awful lot to put on, on Josh McDaniels in his first year with the franchise. But he's walking into a situation that is uh, a little bit unique, given how that job opportunity came to be last year uh, with John Gruden being ousted. Uh, Rich Bisaccia was not able to hold on to that job after the season ended, uh, which I thought he should have had an opportunity to hold on to that job. But he comes in, frankly, with um, a, a real expectation to win with what they have and, and well, kind of win now. There is no training wheels here for Josh McDaniels in this new venue. He's got to get them to, at very least, the wild card in what's going to be a great division. 
The Broncos with Russell Wilson, I actually believe, will end up being the worst team in that AFC West. The Los Angeles Chargers, I believe, will be improved because I have heavy belief in Justin Herbert. Uh, and, and I believe with, with that kind of young, growing team that is offensively being exciting, I think I think they can be uh, they can be much improved. I think they could get to the postseason, or at least you know, kind of sniff it somewhat like they did last year. And then it comes down to the Raiders, and it comes down to the Chiefs. And uh, I see Kansas City winning this division again, but I do see Las Vegas making it to the postseason as a wild card team. But that is kind of the the benchmark expectation that I have right out of the gate for this Raiders franchise. Winning, I think they will. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not doubting this team. How much can they win, and uh, how much will Derek Carr uh, be able to continue to build to rise to the occasion? That's what we'll find out. Zephyr Insurance text line. You can text into us at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can send us your tweets at Sports Animals. You can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. Uh, coming up, we'll stay in the National Football League because, honestly, a game has turned out to be uh, one of uh, one of the slight distractions from uh, what ultimately is one of the other big stories in the National Football League, and uh, that is what they're doing with Deshaun Watson and how they are appealing. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, the NFL has made the right step today in how they're going to move forward on the appeal of the six-game suspension handed down by Judge Sue L. Robinson. That's coming up after we take a look at surf. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Thursday. You are listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14:20 a.m. Uh, look at uh, Sports Center coming up in just about 11 minutes. Uh, I'll I'll put this up via the text line for those that well, they're not ready to get back into the NFL season by paying attention to the Hall of Fame game. First off, uh, state your name and where you're from. Secondly, if you're not ready for the NFL season to get back underway and you're not ready for the Hall of Fame game and whatever it is you're not ready for, then what are you doing outside of working and driving, et cetera, that is um, more important? What are we doing that is, uh, that is, that is more important than getting back into football? Send us your texts uh, at 808-296-1420. All right. Uh, one of the other things that this game is kind of distracting us from is uh, the other NFL story that is uh, is is right now top of mind, and that is the NFL's appeal of the Deshaun Watson suspension. Yesterday, you may recall uh, when when we talked about this story today that one of the things the NFL had to had to navigate through is not just whether it felt it could get a uh, it, it, it could get more than six games. But thinking about the bigger picture, now I know for for some people, the bigger picture doesn't matter. It's, it's justice. It's sticking up for the fact that 
uh, a six-game suspension is not enough for someone who seems to be a, a, a massive creep. Uh, and, and not only that, but has uh, you know made a lot of women feel very uncomfortable in that this retired judge seemed to not understand when putting down her ruling. Anyway, um, I know some people don't like it, but it isn't just about six games and and the right ruling. It is also about uh, it's it's also political. As I think we learn as we get later on in the life, uh, later on in life, there are a, a, a lot of things that are, um, whether you want to believe it or not, there are a lot of things that are political. And this, I believe, is one of those things. The collective bargaining agreement is, well, it, it, it is kind of political. And you always want to make sure that you can maintain labor peace. You don't want a lockout. Look what happened to Major League Baseball and how Major League Baseball season started uh, It started late. Fortunately for the league, uh, it didn't last long, and people didn't leave in droves. In fact, Major League Baseball was just boasting within the last couple of weeks that some of the games that aired on national television got... Uh, some pretty darn good ratings on weeknights. In fact, one game gathered over uh, two million people, which on a on a weeknight in July is uh, is really really good. So fans did not leave after the lockout. But labor peace is important because you don't want to miss games. You know, in in this instance, it's not about whether the fans stay or leave. It's about whether you can recoup all the money that you're supposed to get from your television partners when. If you miss games, that's money that they probably shouldn't have to pay you. So uh, you want to do your best to make sure you don't lose these preseason games. You don't lose these primetime games. You don't lose these Sunday afternoon games. And you don't lose these opportunities that you can keep taking those checks to the bank because you know that is how re- that's that's really how your league is uh, uh is held up. It's held up by every television network that wants to air your games. And and frankly, there is no other uh, league that has all four major television networks airing its league games like the NFL does. So the NFL made the right step today in the political arena of appealing the Deshaun Watson suspension. And that was by choosing someone else to hear it. They could have they could have just said, you know, we all agreed to this in the CBA, but uh, you know, because of that, we're we're going to give this to Roger Goodell. Roger knows what he wants, and he's going to make that suspension what he wants, which we know the NFL wants to make it indefinite. The NFL wants Deshaun Watson to have to reapply for reinstatement instead of just automatically getting back in after X amount of games. The NFL wants to make an example out of Deshaun Watson. But the NFL knows that there are some things it wants to protect. So if you put Roger Goodell on this case, yeah, you know what you're going to get because, well, we know what Roger wants. Uh, But you also know that if you put Roger Goodell on the case, that you're going to strain relationships. And as you're looking seven, eight years ahead, these are things you don't forget about. 
and you're going to strain those relationships between the uh, Players Association and the league that you'll need if you want to make sure that your collective bargaining agreement stays strong. So they decided to take the uh, former attorney general of the uh, great state of New Jersey, Peter Harvey, who will hear the appeal of the suspension. And uh, I don't know what the timeline is going to be here, uh, but they will look at it because there is no timeline, uh, but it will be done on an expedited basis, which is according to the personal conduct policy. So the hope is probably by the start of the regular season, there is an answer on Deshaun Watson's suspension. Is it six games? Is it 12? Is it a full season? Is it indefinite? Or um, could this former attorney general decide to go the entirely different direction and say, let's uh, let's go ahead and just go a, the, the opposite way. And let's go less than six games. Very unlikely. But here's the, the tie to that. This individual is a member of the NFL's Diversity Advisory Committee. So already has a stake in the league, evaluates diversity in the league. Um, and that does include advising the NFL on things like the personal conduct policy. So there is that. And keep in mind, he was involved when Ezekiel Elliott was suspended six games for violating the personal conduct policy back in 2017. He was on the panel that reviewed the investigation, ultimately led to that six-game suspension. But this is what the NFL needed to do. Uh, give the impression that you are taking it off of your hands because you still want to have some kind of fairness involved here. And... Um, you know, and and, uh, and and let this move forward on a quick basis and try to see if you can keep this out of federal court. That's one of the other goals here. Keep it out of federal court. Make it stick. Make it decisive. Um, and at the end of the day, get what you want because that's what the CBA allows. The CBA does allow the NFL to get what it wants. And before I hear anybody complain about it, Players Association signed off on it. So I don't I don't want to hear all those people who think it's not fair. What well, is? Because the NFLPA didn't say no. They let it happen, and this is what they have to live with. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Our studio line is 808-296-1420. Coming up, uh, it seems like Every piece of news that makes people concerned about what could be coming up with, uh, with the new Aloha Stadium, everything that makes you concerned gets amplified. I'll tell you what came in my Twitter feed a little while ago that apparently has some of you a little concerned about looking ahead to 2026 or thereabout. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Thursday afternoon. As we uh, near into the weekend, I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu here at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, we'll, we'll get another update on that Hall of Fame game coming up at the top of the hour with SportsCenter. In the meantime, it is always uh, it is always a topic of conversation for people 
when they worry about whether Aloha Stadium, the new Aloha Stadium, will be ready by 2026. As we found out last week, that seems to be the target year, not the target date, the target year, 2026. And um, whenever there is something that is concerning, it amplifies kind of like this, this concern level that a lot of people have. So, for example, uh, on Twitter a little while ago, this was uh, from at Koa underscore Nui Nui, who is concerned about whether Aloha Stadium may be up by 2026. And, and he posts this story that was uh, that's kind of breaking, actually, it has nothing to do with sports. It has everything to do with the uh, the water quality around the Moanalua Valley area uh, as the Board of Water Supply has detected petroleum contamination in Moanalua Valley groundwater monitoring. And it's the first time that a test has shown contamination levels since the uh, the Red Hill, uh, the, the latest Red Hill problem really kind of got underway. Uh, they also found polysilic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are chemicals found in gas and crude oil that could be carcinogenic. They say they uh, they were confirmed last month. They're low and below EPA action, but they also say this new data raises the level of concern. Uh, this is Ernie Lau, the uh, Board of Water Supply Chief Engineer Manager, who said, quote, it was kind of unexpected. We didn't think it was there. This new information will show there needs to be some investigation on the east side of the Red Hill facility too, close quote, because the contamination was about 1,500 feet southeast of that facility. Um, they do say at the low levels detected, it is not expected to cause any health effects, close quote. But proximity to where the current Aloha Stadium sits and where the future Aloha Stadium is expected to sit, um, you can imagine that that raises the concern for some of it. So as you know, this person on Twitter says, and I quote, oh, well. We'll have oily beer and soft drinks and oily food. Then he says, new stadiums start 2030s. Just watch. It's hard to say um, where that is going to go and how it's going to affect the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District. And I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to try to ballpark speculate it because a lot of this is well above my pay grade and well above my level of experience, which is not in water and water quality and it's not in construction and uh, it is not really all about red tape but this is where I kind of go back to to something I said I, this, I think this was last week um, every opportunity that the state has and the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District and the Stadium Authority has to be able to give the public good news and to say, we're on time, we're on budget, we're on track. Every opportunity that the state agency has to do that, they need to take, like, immediately. Because if not for that, you're going to have a lot more of these naysayers that are going to be concerned about, whether it's 2026 or 2030 
or 2028 or somewhere in the middle of all of that. Um, and you don't want that. Uh, there's enough negativity right now about how things get done. Some of it is fair. Some of it is not fair. But some people don't care about fair. They see something that they, they're not happy with. They don't want to see. They see it as a setback. And all of a sudden, they run with it. And when they run with it, all of a sudden, everything uh, is a problem because one thing is not good. The Red Hill situation is um, is is very sensitive, and you know I'm not going to make light of it. And I, I know for some families that have been dealing with it here for the last few months, it is it is certainly not something to make light of for them. And so, you know, I'm not going to make light of it, and I'm not going to pretend to know how this will impact the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District, but this is the kind of stuff that politicians and stakeholders have to think of, especially now in the age of social media and especially now where uh, sports radio is more accessible to people, regular media in general is more accessible to people with more opportunities to say what they have to say based or not, uh, fact or fiction, uh, emotional or or not emotional that you have to you have to be the messenger a great PR person or PR team is going to be able to succeed in this and that great PR person or team is also going to have to be pretty honest with um, with the constituents when you come to find out that Maybe 2026 may not happen. And you'll have to find a way to massage that one too. All of that is uh, is equally important. But I think you have to know it as you... We're, what are we now, like three weeks? Uh, four weeks? Three or four weeks after this was signed by the governor into his budget, securing the $400 million... And you've already had now a couple of instances in which people have felt like, all right, this is, you know, we're, we're getting, we're getting some negative stuff here. You've already got people who are kind of throwing out that this won't make it on time. I'm not going to join the chorus. One thing I, I, I don't think anybody really gave a lot of credit to. Leading up to the $400 million that the governor signed, there were opportunities that were put together in the, the PR arm of this project. They would put together opportunities for all of us to get together and see some of the designs, see some of the updates, and kind of give a, a bit of perspective on the process on the project. Even if it was falling behind, there were definitely several instances in which uh, there were opportunities uh, to, to be kind of informed and up-to-date. And so that process is not new. It started previously. And it just now, because you know now it's going to go into a... Um, it's it's going to go into a new administration, whatever, whoever's going to lead that administration at the end of the year going into next year that is going to have to be a part of the importance of keeping that project top of mind and relevant, positive, but also honest. 
uh, to the general public on how it's going. We'll update the uh, Hall of Fame game coming up at the top of the hour. Everything else going on in Major League Baseball, uh, which included history for all the wrong reasons. We mentioned it during the uh, M. Dyer Global scoreboard a moment ago. The Los Angeles Angels scored seven runs. All of them were on solo home runs, and they lost. Um, and it makes it reminds me that the Angels really should have traded Shohei Otani. That this team is awful. Shohei Otani is cheap right now because his. I mean, you could get stuff for him, I guess. Uh, you know, people will value getting Shohei Otani, but you can't keep him on a team this bad. The numbers on it, uh, according to e uh, according to Elias uh, Sports, the seven home runs, well, seven solo home runs hit in a game, tied for the most in a game by any team all time. Uh, but that's not the number that matters because, you know, if you're going to hit seven home runs in a game, then you, you better win that game. Um, the seven home runs hit in a game and a loss tied for the most in Major League Baseball history. When teams have hit seven home runs in a game, there have been 119 instances all time in which a team has hit seven home runs in a game. How many times have a, has a team lost when hitting seven home runs in a game? The answer is six. The record is 113 and six when hitting seven home runs. It is um, it is absurd, and and that's why the the Angels clearly are in a nowhere good situation. I I said it right before the trade deadline. Mike Trout's not the same. Mike Trout will never be the same. He can tell you the back issue is going to be fine that it's something he can come back from. But you know what? We just watched Clayton Kershaw today. Granted, uh, pitcher versus position player is very different. But we just watched Clayton Kershaw today, who was taking some warm-up tosses before, I think it was the fifth or the sixth inning. And after one of the warm-up tosses, he stopped. He said he couldn't go anymore. And he told his the, the catcher who was warming him up, because it wasn't his regular catcher between innings, he said, it's my back. And Clayton Kershaw has had back issues. And it was confirmed after the game that Clayton Kershaw had a lower back issue. That's why he left the game. And in a game where uh, a lot of what you do, uh, just like in, in, in a lot of athletic endeavors, I guess it's not anything new, but a lot of what you do is uh, really centralized by the movements in your back. Uh, you can't afford, you know, you, you can't afford to have those problems and have a, a, a you know an outstanding career. Mike Trout is a potential Hall of Famer down the road, but he's still really young, and now he's got this issue that's going to sideline him and, and may keep him from being a guy who can play 150 games every year because he's probably going to need some time off here and there to make sure his back is right. It's it's a career thing. It's not something that's going to go away by taking cortisone shots and all that stuff. And that lessened the value of the team, which lessened any reason other than financial and promotional that the Los Angeles Angels needed to keep Shohei Otani. 
all it is is, well, he's a great draw. And uh, we can continue to get our games aired in, in Asia, and we can continue to uh, you know, keep getting these great promotional nights and all the cool things that have nothing to do with winning. That's what they've done. And Otani can hit a home run. He can have a really good night. He had a forearm cramp on Wednesday. Came back and hit today. Uh, 403-foot home run. Add another one. He's got 24 home runs on the year. Tied with Mike Trout. Four home runs. But, again, he's coming off of, you know, injury issues and still playing. And to his credit, he was asked at one point, well, do you need some time off? He's like, no, 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 no. Now is not a good time for taking some time off. Yeah, the guy who is on a team that is, let me let me repeat to y'all, uh, the guy who is on a team that is incredibly awful, that you could very easily just pack it in. Team is 44 and 61. They're pacing for over 90 losses. Is is being a leader and saying, yeah, I'm hurt, but um, I'm not going to pack it in. Uh, team needs me out there. I want to be out there. I'm going to play through it. And the Angels are going to still stink through it. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, and I, and I feel bad because Otani deserves better, deserves to be on a better team. Earlier, we were uh, talking about people's concerns, anything that pops up about uh, the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District, even if it has nothing to do with the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District, gets people's uh, sense of heightened awareness up. And today's story regarding uh, uh, regarding the uh, the Red Hill, well, we don't know if it's officially Red Hill, but water contamination in the Moanalua Valley area has apparently some people's... Uh, uh, Negative tentacles raised. Whatever that means. Texture from the 721. Says, Josh, that's why T.C. Ching has to be built up no matter what. I saw a Manoa neighborhood board meeting where UH officials proposed the cost of $18 million to bring up the capacity to 17000 plus the infrastructure like restrooms and locker rooms, but the legislature did not fund the request. Um, this is where it's a no-brainer I think anybody could understand why that proposal has to be made. Anybody could understand, given how fluid the situation currently is, that um, you have to prop up the Clarence T. C. Ching Athletics Complex. And I have said, you can do both. It's not impossible. You can build up a new Aloha Stadium and you can build up the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. You can do both at the same time. It's a matter of making the pitch that makes the legislature understand. See, not everybody in the legislature understands sports. Certainly asked those people on that education committee earlier this year trying to grill uh, University of Hawaii officials on sports or thereabout. Not everybody understands sports. And so sometimes you have to, 
and I'm not saying it it hasn't been done, but sometimes you've got to, you know, make it a little more clear as day as to why, even though it is blatantly obvious, and granted we're coming from a, a sports lens, so it, it makes it a little more obvious to us, you have to make the point clear that there's a reason why this money is important. There's a reason why building up the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex at the same time is vital. Um, but like I've said before, I think you have to have an eye in doing this that is past 2026 or 2027 or 2028. You have to – your pitch to the legislature for funding has to be beyond that. It has to be about what are you going to do with the facility when the new Aloha Stadium is built. Do you have plans for entertainment? Do you have plans for other sporting events? Do you have plans for – what do you have plans for? Make that case. Um, and also, I think there can be some educational things in there that I think could make the non-sports folks understand and believe. And I think the other thing you have to do and is is rally community support. You know, don't don't just give it to the neighborhood board, but I think it would help to put this kind of stuff out for the community to know that the next time you go for funding from the legislature to try to build this up, you've got to get the community behind it a little bit more so that if the community knows and understands and would, is willing to fight with you for that funding, the legislature will be more likely to give you that money. You have to rally people uh, in order to get what you want, especially for something worth $18 million. Great to have you in. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the guys. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. They can text into us at 808-296-1420. Uh, that's uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line. They can call us at 808-296-1420. They can uh, send us the tweets at Sports Animals. Get to me at Josh on the radio. We are watching the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. I don't believe uh, Myron Tongavailoa Amosa has made it into the game yet. Uh, we're paying a close attention to that. He is on the depth chart. He is, uh, if you're tuning on to the game, if you're watching it while you're listening to us here, he is wearing number 69. So uh, you, yes, Keegan. Are you are were you wondering what number he was when you were watching the game in the control room? You could see if he makes it or not. Sure, uh, <laughs> that's what number he wears. Um, I would expect we see a decent amount of him uh, in the second half, and I expect we may see a lot of Las Vegas's defense on the field in the second half because, frankly, their offense has done pretty much enough in a twenty to nothing lead. Uh, as they tick down before halftime. So we'll, we'll we'll see if he gets in there. We'll see how he looks, How whatever you feel like you can take away from a uh, from a preseason game. I, I, I haven't, honestly, in, in kind of watching this game on and off, um, I haven't really taken a, a ton away other than Jacksonville is, well, preseason, regular season, Jacksonville is still equally bad. 
uh, some things don't change. They're only here uh, because one of the guys uh, being recognized at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend is uh, is Tony Baselli. And, you know, a lot of times the teams for the Pro Football Hall of Fame game are usually kind of around who is uh, who's enshrined. Used to be the AFC NFC Hall of Fame game. They've taken away the AFC and NFC designations. It's just it's just two teams. Uh, whoever they feel like best represents the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and and for Jacksonville, it's Tony Baselli. So um, they have made it Jags Raiders. They don't really care about ratings. Look. People are going to watch, and I'm sure, I'm sure some of you are watching or listening to the games on our sister station, CBS 1500. I'm sure some of you are watching or listening because, quite frankly, um, it is football, and um, I can't stomach another Angels loss. I can't stomach the Giants getting swept again. So um, it's pretty glorious to have football right now, and I don't, I could care less if it is, uh, or I couldn't really care honestly if it is uh Raiders Jags or your Thursday night color rush experience of Jaguars Titans or uh if you gave me the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears it wouldn't really matter uh it would still be honestly just getting football I what what I also have taken away here in the first 30 minutes of game action is that there are still people who are pretty um, pretty salty about roughing the passer penalties in the NFL. And it was like the first play of the game, and uh, the, the Raiders quarterback went down, a roughing the passer penalty was called, and all of a sudden the clips all over the internet of people complaining about a roughing the passer call. The funny thing about everybody who complains about roughing the passer calls, and I've actually just kind of stopped worrying about roughing the passer penalties and, and all that stuff. It's so arbitrary. Uh, it it makes really makes no sense. But the thing that is funny, if it happened to your quarterback, you would be screaming for a roughing the passer penalty in, in order to make sure your quarterback is protected. It's anybody else's quarterback. Every, every uh, what, 31 other teams? Everybody else's quarterback roughing the passer? What are you talking about? That's not roughing the passer. That's just a clean hit. So the one that happened today in, uh, in the very first play from scrimmage at the Pro Football Hall of Fame game was, in fact, they just kind of showed it again, it was a, uh, a lineman for, for Jacksonville came around as he hit the quarterback. He brought his hand around, and, and it kind of – he didn't really yank it and grab, but he kind of grabbed uh, kind of grabbed the collar and didn't yank him down but just kind of pushed him down to the point where the quarterback's head kind of bounced up off of the field. It, it wasn't like – it wasn't egregious. It wasn't totally like a vicious hit or anything, but it was honestly the definition of protecting a quarterback. 
And for all those that don't like protecting quarterbacks because they get special treatment, well, look at how much they're paid and then come back and complain to me about how much they're getting special treatment based on how much they're getting paid. Uh, It looked bad enough for me at the time that the official was right on the money to be able to signal roughing the passer. Um, and as I was just looking at it, they showed it on the uh, on the halftime replay of the, the montage of the defensive plays in the first half, even more so, looked like roughing the passer. So for all of those people on, on social media that just need something to cry about, hey, welcome back to football season. Welcome back. I can't wait. Uh, as as good as this is, as, as good as it is to have the Hall of Fame game in front of us, uh, I can't wait for college football season to get underway with week zero. And uh, one of the things that will help us kind of launch our way there is tomorrow's scrimmage. That is going to be happening at uh, uh, the University of Hawaii uh, Friday practice. It's... Uh, 40, no more than 40 plays, according to uh, Stephen Sy from the Honolulu Star Advertiser. It is, as the other practices have been, it is free, and it is open to the public. And just don't be the person that videos and photos when you're not allowed. Please don't be that guy or girl. Just follow the rules. Be there. Enjoy being outside early in the morning before you go to work. Just, just have a good time. 6.45 a.m., it's going to be at the uh, – uh, it's not going to be on the grass field. The scrimmage is going to be at the uh, Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, and it is a uh, full-contact scrimmage. I don't know, and I think what we'll, uh, what we'll find out probably tomorrow, uh, we'll have an opportunity to find out who might be left out of that full-contact scrimmage, but I think that's going to be one of the interesting things early. Uh, it's, it's the first – um, I guess it's the first true litmus test outside of seeing the team go through these practices and, um, and, and, and seeing them kind of gel. It's the first true litmus test of the readiness of this team, how much guys in the team um, understand on offense, the playbook defensively, what they've been, uh, you know, what they've been assigned to do. It's our, our first real test of that which I think will be, even though it's it's no more than 40 plays, so what is that? It's more like just watching a half of football or something like that. It, it's still a good enough amount this early. Realizing, as, as much as you also have to realize, we are, what, 23 days away from kick, that um, you, know, you kind of have to ramp things up a little bit. That is, uh, of all the storylines, you know, I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to not only just the scrimmage tomorrow, um, but the kind of adjustments and, and, um, and, and things the coaching staff led by uh, head coach Timmy Chang is doing in the preparation for this coming year. Now, for example, you know, one of the initial things that had been talked about was the the broken up practices with the uh, what would you call it the, the the sets of squads 
the ones and and the twos and so on and so forth and you'd have the uh that that small little i guess gap in the middle the um you know how that continues does it continue um how that has helped this team a, a covid era uh practice strategy i guess being brought in in a non-covid uh, situation how those adjustments are made whether it works whether it doesn't work you know um we can spend i think a lot of time on uh, on a lot of the skill positions and who's ready at certain spots but i do believe that just as important in the preparation of who's going to be in some of those positions is going to be the readiness of this coaching staff uh, as we count on down and we continue moving down toward kickoff, how this, uh, how this staff adjusts on its own, adjusts itself in its, in, in getting this team ready. And that's going to be one of those things um, that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to as we continue here over the next couple of weeks. Again, um, texter from the 779 is asking. Uh, scrimmage is going to be part of practice. Practice tomorrow is at 645, and it's going to be at the uh, Clarence T.C. Ching uh, Athletics Complex. It is free. It is open to the public, uh, and it is no more than 40 plays. Uh, I'm looking forward to see who can make it out on a, uh, on a Friday before work when you have uh, – uh, you've got uh, – you, People trying to get through rush hour. Some people taking their kids to school, whatever it is. How many people can make it out at 645? Uh, we'll find out. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Earlier, we were uh, talking about quarterbacks and the, uh, the the yearly exercise of people complaining about roughing the passer penalties, including the one that we got today during the NFL's uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Texter from the 636. The league should just make it two-hand touch on quarterbacks. You know who actually would not like two-hand touch? The quarterbacks. Because just making it two-hand touch for the QBs would make it less likely that the these QBs are able to make the kind of great plays that we have been accustomed to seeing. Because all if all it takes is to just put two hands on a quarterback, take a lot of the fantastic plays that players like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson can make, you can wipe some of those plays away because you're not going to see them. You know, people take that so far sometimes on, on roughing the pass. Oh, they, they protect them too much. Well, wouldn't you want the highest paid individual on your team to be protected? Maybe not coddled, maybe not babied, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you want the highest paid individual on your, on your staff, your workplace, your team to be babied as much, not babied, but protected as much as possible? I would think so. Because you want them. You want them playing. You want them performing 
as much and as often as possible. And you wouldn't want an injury based on a hard hit, an unnecessary hit to knock your high-paid guy out. So um, for all of those who complain, think of it from that perspective. If it were your QB, you would be feeling very, very different. I would have started talking about 15 seconds earlier. Instead, uh, Keegan tried to sing this song. He ended up just basically yelling in my ears for about 10 seconds. That was um, uh, that was harsh. It was really harsh, man. Next time, if you try to sing the bumper music song, turn the mic off so it's not in my ears for 10 to 15 seconds. I'm in pain after that, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I accept your apology, but it doesn't take away the pain. It really doesn't. Uh, Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can send us your tweets. Uh, at Sports Animals, you can get to me, at Josh on the radio. Hey, um, high school football starts tonight. It's uh, it's something that just kind of snuck up on us. Uh, programming alert for us, by the way, um, we're bringing back Scoring Live High School Sports Weekly uh, for year number two, and... Uh, we should be around a lot more this time uh, this year than we were last year. And granted, last year we got kind of a late start, but we are bringing back sc uh, Scoring Live High School Sports Weekly. It's going to be uh, Thursday starting August 18th, and uh, we're going to move that as well uh, since uh, we're here in the afternoon right now. We're going to move it to, uh, to 2 o'clock on, uh, on Thursdays right before this show. So might as well. We're, you know, we're going to be here um, but it leads us into some of the games that you've got uh, here to open up this weekend uh, Farrington's going to host Waialua to, to, to kick things off tonight but I think the easily the game of the weekend I and I, I struggle to say game of the weekend because it, it because it is week one I really don't know what we're going to expect from this game. But game of the weekend being St. Louis against Mililani at Mililani. And a lot of the the storyline about uh about St. Louis is really about the fact that this is a a different looking team. There's been a lot of turnaround with this St. Louis team as compared to a year ago. And so uh, right out of the gate, I think a lot of people kind of don't know what to expect from this team. And, and granted, hey, um, not to be overly general and overly bland when I say it, but that is what a lot of people know going into week one and frankly throughout the month of August. You don't really know what team you're going to see because not only do you have – uh, like in some instances here with, with St. Louis, you've got a lot of turnaround from the team that we saw a year ago. But uh, for a lot of schools, you're also dealing with, uh, you know, some teams that aren't near 100% because you do have uh, some of the ineligibles that roll through the first couple of weeks. School is back in session, and some of those individuals have to become eligible 
So you may not really know what a team really, really does look like until uh, until you get to September. And at that point in time, I, I think you have a, a a much better idea. But you expect St. Louis to be uh, you expect St. Louis to be at its best. So against Mililani, what is well at its best? Uh, I think that's a that's a, a an early question right out of the gate that you'll probably ask tomorrow when they play at, at seven thirty out at Mililani. Uh, I'm excited for uh, Kamehameha and Kahuku uh, on Saturday. And, you know, again, realizing that it is not just about the fact that you've got two open division teams playing one another in a OIA versus ILH uh, matchup, which we miss OIA versus ILH interleague scheduling. Wish that could come back. Doesn't seem like it will anytime soon. Uh, but we get to see the upgrades made at Kahuku. Um, that new field uh, and really something that that community just really deserves. Uh, that team really deserves. Uh, there's such a, a great representation of that, uh, of that town that to see them, you know, get to play on, uh, on in new digs, uh, you know, a new surface, et cetera, is exciting. And I, and I hope we see a lot of people go out for that and, uh, and see what that's like. And then of course, uh, you know, one of the other intriguing games, Iolani at Kaiser, um, you know, in, in a Division One matchup, ILH at OIA is fascinating as well. And that is tomorrow night at Kaiser at 7 p.m. The uh, power rankings that are out, the preseason power rankings from our good friends at Scoring Live, uh, again, they will help us bring you Scoring Live High School Sports Weekly uh, starting in two weeks. Top five of Kahuku, St. Louis, Punahou, Mililani, and Campbell. But if you want to take a couple things into note, you look at uh, uh, neighbor island teams, Kapa'a at eight. I'm interested in seeing Lahaina Luna in Division One again. Lahaina Luna at nine. And then you've got Konawina out of the BIF right there at number 13. Not Hilo, but Konawina. Uh, they've been in Division One now for the last couple of years, and they find themselves in that spot. We'll check our M. Dyer Global Scoreboard coming up in just a moment. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. here at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, continuing to watch this uh, Hall of Fame game. I haven't seen, I would say Keegan would know, but Keegan's back has been turned to the game uh, because why would Keegan be watching the Pro Football Hall of Fame game? Keegan's working. He doesn't have time to watch the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Um, I haven't seen Myron Tongavailoa Amosa get into the game. Uh, I have also seen some very, very poor uh attempts at catching a football <laughs> i have seen that today but then again that is preseason football for you but uh we'll we'll see if he gets in here at some point uh listed as a, a third stringer at his position we'll keep watching this game uh it's also on our sister station cbs 1500 and you can uh, also hear it uh, on the sideline hawaii app yesterday we talked about tuatonga vailoa who had to respond to uh, one of the questions that was brought up to him about uh, 
Did he know that Tom Brady was being talked to while he was there? And does he feel like he has support and, and all of those things? And of course, he was uh, uh, a little disrespected about the uh, the whole marriage thing being made public. I was reminded of this today, and, and uh, I'll credit, uh, I think it was Tanner Hayworth, who this morning when I was uh, here in the office had had reminded just as, I mean, I had said yesterday, you know, welcome to being famous. It's not necessarily lifestyles of the rich and famous kind of thing, but welcome to being a known individual, a public figure. But I was also reminded, and I think it is generally a law in every state, that when you get married or get your marriage license, whatever it is, um, it does get published in the newspaper, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, regardless of whether someone was camped outside of the courthouse or someone talked to a friend, whatever it is, People were going to find out that you got married. And so the whole uh, be that's disrespectful, uh, no. It's the media doing their job. And frankly, it was going to come back out at some point anyway. So here's a, a lesson in controlling your brand. Brand Control 101. This is what, what we like to do. Free advice every once in a while. Brand Control 101 says this, uh, control your message. If this this might be, you know, uh, well, clearly, first marriage, <laughs> I don't think there's a, I don't think this is a second or third. I'm pretty sure this is the first. Pretty sure first marriage, you may not know everything about the process of getting married, how you have to put it into the public record, you apply for the marriage license and all of those things. You There are probably some of those you, you did know, but you kind of just skipped through it or you didn't pay attention as much because you figured, eh, you know, it, eh. just happy to do it. Some of this stuff just doesn't doesn't necessarily matter. Not a Not a big deal. And then when you come to find out it is out and people kind of figure it out, then, you know, you've got all those things to answer. Well, how did it happen? This is what we call... Uh, now you know. So if you wanted to control the narrative, the narrative you would control would be uh, if you want to if you want to make it like your announcement, then you have to have it prepared. Like prepare it. It comes out at, at such and such time. You're the one that gets to tell everybody through your PR team or through the team, hey, I'm married. And then everybody says, congratulations. You don't have to answer all these other questions about it. It's, hey, he's married. Congratulations. You know, it's it's an unfortunate kind of day-long distraction now because he's all, you know, unhappy about him not controlling the message to get out there that he's married. Like, he didn't think people were going to find out. I mean, I, I know print media... Um, is not the same as it was 20 years ago, but people still do, uh, they do get newspapers. They still read them. Some people are very religious about reading things like the classifieds and the public. No, yeah, people still do classifieds. They they do, right? They do, yeah. They do still do the classifieds because they want to see who's uh, 
who's selling that used car that only has maybe a thousand miles of life left on it or who's renting because we know everybody needs to rent or buy a house um, and all those other legal public notices that need to be printed for X amount of time to say it's in the public record. And uh, I am sure that you could probably get those classifieds on the internet too. How's a big swing and a miss from, uh, from Tua's camp yesterday? It doesn't, unfortunately, distract from the other key thing here at camp, and that is Tua Tango-Vailoa's performance, which will be questioned no matter what. What if Tua can't get the job done? Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, earlier on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max on ESPN Honolulu and on ESPN2. He thinks there is a name that you might want to pay attention to if Tua Tonga-Vailoa can't get it done. If I'm Miami now, if Tua has any bump in the road, there's still four teams next year, Houston, Detroit, Seattle, and Philadelphia, that have two first-round picks. So I think it's a great point. If I'm the Dolphins, my best opportunity to get another quarterback very well may be Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. If anything about Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to be very well-rested. And Why? He's pretty much cleared. He's had the elbow worked on. Uh, and the Niners, he's a he's a member of the team, but they're not going to put him out there to, you know, waste his time. He's going to be a member of the team until a team trades for him. And you know that right now there is a kind of subtle market for quarterbacks. It's just one of those where it, it I, I think it's like like you're in Vegas when you have a hand that is one of those tweener hands, and you've got to figure out, all right, when do I strike? If and I, I'm not very good at, uh, you know, I don't I don't play cards in Vegas. I don't. Most times when I go to Vegas, I don't gamble. Um, I like keeping my money, not losing it. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that makes me greedy. I don't know. But um, if you've got a hand. Let's say it's at 14, and you're wondering, huh, you're playing blackjack. Do I, do I hit? Do I, do I stay? So at some point, you've got to feel like there is that right moment if you, I don't know, if you're studying the way the cards have been shuffled or you're studying whatever it is that you're, you're kind of feeling, there is that point where you've got to feel like, okay, um, now is the time to hit on 14 and take a chance and hope you don't get a jack. And there are several teams, and you heard Mike Tannenbaum mention some of them. There are several teams that I think uh, are in that situation where you kind of have to have your finger on the button of when you just say, all right, we're making the move. Uh, we're going to take the chance and decide – we're going to make a change at quarterback because we got to do something. Like Seattle, um, how comfortable can you feel with Locke? You probably can't because they weren't comfortable with him in Denver anyway. If you're good, if you feel like you've got the right talent to compete and Locke's not your guy, then you better hope that Jimmy Garoppolo's available. 
because he knows the division and he could be someone that maybe right away upgrades you at that position, even if it isn't like he's throwing for you know 300 yards a game and throwing five touchdowns, but just not making mistakes, then, okay, well, there you go. By the way, Myron Tongavailoa Mosa is into the game uh, for, the, uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Just saw him on my screen there. Uh, so that's good to see. We'll kind of kind of watch his numbers as this game goes along. But um, you've got them. You've got, you know, I think I think Cleveland's in that kind of position because how however long Deshaun Watson's going to be out, you now have to think, okay, with with our backup, if the missing piece to us still being in the picture without Deshaun Watson is at quarterback, then what's the harm in going after Jimmy Garoppolo for a year? Probably none. But you also have to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of the quarterback room and figure out if you need to make that move or if it's it's not a move that makes sense. So you you've got to have that thought in the back of your mind. Miami, unfortunately, is is in that same boat. Because if Tua Tonga-Vailoa, for whatever reason, can't win games, if he struggles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and the confidence level is not where you expect your franchise quarterback to be, then, yeah, Mike Tannenbaum's right. You may not be able to just feel like you can go to your backup and say, hey, take it from here you might have to make that pretty gutsy move and and look at San Francisco and try to make that trade. It is risky. And in, a, in, in Miami, it's even riskier because you know what's going to happen at that point. If you make a trade for Jimmy G because you're not comfortable with Tua Tonga-Vailoa anymore, then you also know you're going to have to get rid of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. You're not going to be able to keep him on a roster, and you're and you're not going to make a a QB for QB swap. So he's going to be sitting on your roster for a while unless someone makes a trade for him. And then at that point, we'll see how that all falls down the line. But that's he is that one of those quarterbacks, and maybe the only QB right now that is literally the key to several other teams if those teams are not happy with where they are. And by the way, I'll throw one other team out there. The Los Angeles Rams, I think, is one team that you might have to pay attention to for Jimmy G. Because earlier today, we heard from Sean McVay, and Sean McVay was asked about the elbow of Matthew Stafford. And um, what he said about Matthew Stafford's elbow was not something I'd feel great about. He called the pain in the right elbow abnormal. Compares it to what pitchers deal with. They said, uh, or McVay said earlier today, that um, they tried some things in the offseason with the goal of alleviating some of that pain. He didn't take part in team reps through during individual seven-on-seven drills. Probably not going to do some of those things before they head to Irvine. Uh, on August 10th, uh, they want to have a modified approach and a progressive build. McVay saying, 
Uh, and I quote, that's kind of the perspective and the big picture approach that we want to be able to take. I don't know that I would feel as comfortable taking that approach if it wasn't for the experience that he's accumulated and knowing how intentional he is about staying up to speed with his mental and his physical work that he can do in the absence of some of the stuff in the team settings, close quote. Um, but if that elbow is a major hindrance, and Matthew Stafford, I, I think you have to have enough trust in Matthew Stafford, but if that elbow is a major hindrance, then let's remind ourselves for a moment the backup quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams is a guy you know all too well. Remember a couple of years ago when Jared Goff was hurt? And I think it was in a playoff game. Remember John Wolford? Yeah, that's your guy. If Matthew Stafford, for whatever reason, can't get it going. And I think the Rams, with... Super Bowl experience with the pressure of being in L.A. I think they're a team that's got to have a finger slightly around the button of quarterback panic. And why not? So that makes it what? Four? What What do we list it as? Four or five teams? I think we put down Miami. I think we put down Cleveland. Um, Seattle and uh, and L.A., four teams that I think are in that potentially may have to be in quick trigger mode if they're not happy with their quarterbacks right now. They'll have to pay very close attention. Our Zephyr Insurance text line right now is uh, is not in on a guy putting 50,000 bucks in a Hall of Fame game on uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. But um, the question that everybody seems to want to know, this is according to Jeff, Darren Rodgers take enough psych, uh, psychedelics in a playoff game. I'm guessing this is last year. Uh, I love how we have all just kind of now made Aaron Rodgers into this I, 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 laughing stock. Really, really good player. Laughable at times, especially now with this whole with psychedelic thing. I, I don't know and I don't care. And I really don't care, even with the fact that we could probably argue that uh, I'm sure the NFL should be knocking on Aaron Rodgers' door and asking, uh, hey, uh, can we take a sample of whatever it is that we need to take a sample of to see if you've got these quote-unquote psychedelics in your system? I don't know, between that and showing up to training camp on the first day as a a movie lookalike, and I can't remember who it was he looked like, and, and frankly, I could care less who it was he looked like. Um, Aaron Rodgers is kind of a sideshow. And I know, I'm a, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. That's my quarterback. It's, it's, a, it's such an annoyance. It is an annoyance because, quite frankly, I just want to see him play football. I'm a little tired of, well, what's the tattoo for on your arm? Don't care. Why dress up like this guy? 
What's his relationship status? The vaccination thing. I, I don't know. I'm I'm tired. I'm a little just kind of over all of it, really. And just don't really care. Um, if he could get back to the playoffs and not find himself in a position in which he's hurting his team, hey, good. I don't really care about anything else. But psychedelics, man, just, just chalk that up to, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers being a little too full of Aaron Rodgers. Whoa, uh, Myron Tongavailoa-Mosa uh, in the game for uh, the Las Vegas Raiders as they have a lead on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they're in the fourth quarter. If you want to hear it, it's on our sister station, CBS 1500, Hawaii's information station. And uh, he was on the field as Jacksonville, well, did Jacksonville things. Uh, they had a fourth and one. And uh, what did you have? A quarterback fumbled the snap on fourth and one. Right through the legs. They don't convert, clearly. It's uh, it's Raiders football. It could be Sloter. It could be Lawrence. It could be way back when to Mark Brunel. Doesn't matter. The Jaguars, they're known to do Jaguars things. But uh, on a on a, <laughs> on a more serious note, yes, Myron Tongavailoa-Mosa is in the game uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, I think he does have a tackle. Uh, that is uh, that is on his box score. I haven't. I mean, I honestly, outside of that, and I missed his tackle because you know we're doing a radio show. Um, outside of that, uh, not really a, a lot to talk about. Uh, Tonga Vailoa Mosa's numbers uh, with that tackle that would be uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for him. Nothing else to talk about. We've seen for the Raiders, uh, they didn't play Derek Carr. Jaguars didn't play Trevor Lawrence. Uh, for the Raiders, it's been between Jared Stidham and uh, Nick Mullins. Outside of that, again, not a whole lot to share with you, but that game is in the fourth quarter. They started late. The game, honestly, should be over by this point, but they started late because there was a about a 40-minute delay uh, due to uh, severe weather in the area. There was rain. Uh, there was some lightning that was reported. So they started a little bit later, uh, but they are playing. It is 20-3 Raiders, 11-49 to go in the fourth quarter. And, yes, Tongvailoa Mosa does have a tackle. It was a solo tackle. Uh, just watched him a little while ago. He was at uh, on that left defensive end position. Uh, on that fourth down play. You can get in touch with us. You can uh, reach the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And uh, you can tweet this radio program at Sports Animals. You can get to me at Josh on the radio. Leroy texts in. We were talking uh, a little bit earlier just on a random text we got from our good friend Jeff asking if... Aaron Rodgers was on psychedelics in the playoffs last year. Leroy texts in, A-Rodge is the Kyrie of the NFL. Well, um, yes and no. They both have similar things in common. They both did not want to get the vaccine. But that's kind of where it ends. Well, I guess that and... Lingering questions about whether they wanted to be on the teams that they are on. 
uh, and both kind of answered them. They've stayed where they're at. It's now more on, on Kyrie's side and whether Brooklyn actually wants him as compared to whether he wants to be in Brooklyn because by the sounds of things, he actually wants to be in Brooklyn. Um, but that's that's where it ends. Kyrie's got the whole flatter thing. Aaron Rodgers has uh, Jeopardy. <laughs> there's there's no real comparison outside of um, they left their their teams in limbo for a little while and they both didn't want the vaccine. Flat Earth Jeopardy. Um, one is clearly wrong. The other was not good enough for Jeopardy. And honestly, if you gave a flat earth answer on Jeopardy, unless um, unless the clue was this NBA player does not believe that the earth is round. The only way you could get away with a flat earth response on Jeopardy is if you responded by saying, who is Kyrie Irving? And current host Ken Jennings or Mayim Bialik, because Aaron Rodgers wasn't good enough for the job, would say, yes, you are correct. Let's see, what, what other uh, similarities do Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving have in common? Um, both are not the best at what they do, but they would be considered one of the best at what they do. Aaron Rodgers is not the best quarterback in the National Football League, but he is one of the best to play the game. Kyrie Irving is not the best point guard in the game, but is one of the best because he has... Uh, so many weapons at his disposal. And outside of that, that is probably it. And by the way, thank you on uh, on Twitter to Devin, because I said I didn't really know what Aaron Rodgers was dressed up as when he showed up to training camp. Um, one of the few times that I really don't care all that much about pop culture, Devin reminds us, it was Con Air. That's what... Aaron Rodgers was going for, and I will uh, readily admit, I've never seen Con Air. It's one of the many movies I haven't seen. I hope I don't get judged for it. Um, don't know that I've been given a really, really good reason in my youth and now in my not-so-youth to go back and watch Con Air. That's maybe the other difference, is that Hey, for everybody who wants to complain about Kyrie Irving and how much of a me individual Kyrie Irving is, there are some differences in, in being that said me individual. Kyrie Irving, um, you know, misses games. And sometimes he misses games and you don't know why he's missing games. And um, frankly, that is frustrating and it is annoying. You know, but... Outside of that, I don't get a lot of Kyrie all about Kyrie. Kyrie talking about Kyrie, Kyrie hyping up himself, all that nonsense. I don't, I don't get a lot of that. Um, I do get a lot of that. Aaron Rodgers, all about Aaron Rodgers. In fact, it was, um, you know, that whole vaccine thing. I, now my mind has been triggered thanks to the psychedelics question not that the psychedelics are the trigger, but just the question was the trigger. The psychedelics were not the trigger. Going back to uh, 
uh, to last year when this whole thing went down. And um, Aaron Rodgers playing the victim card because people were criticizing him for his stance. And he was playing the victim card by saying he was being silenced and then saying, oh, um, you know, saying all of these things on the Pat McAfee show, which is kind of the opposite of being silenced. And then the funny thing is, because, you know, it's it's a conversation now. I don't know where it's going to go because leagues are kind of going away from the whole COVID-19 stuff. The NBA is, I, I think, going to announce at some point that they're probably going to get away from the testing um, you know, or the, the, the current testing requirements. They're going to start to kind of treat this more as an endemic at, rather than a pandemic as we get into the third year of it. Uh, I'm not sure where the NFL stance on it, but I mean, leagues across the board, I think the exception of maybe Major League Baseball, because you do have a team in Toronto that um, you can't go to Toronto and play if you are unvaccinated. I don't know how Whit Merrifield's going to do it, but uh, good luck to him. But, you know, it was it was funny. Oh, I'm I'm being silenced, cancel cultured while talking on a radio show. That works. And then was it yesterday or today? Uh, Because his name has been brought up about the whole psychedelics thing and uh, what the meaning is of his tattoo, all the things that I could care way less about. And uh, what did he say today? Um, He's going to not go on certain news networks. From being silenced last year, allegedly, uh, while being on a radio and visual outlet, to, oh, I'm going to choose not to go on these networks. Which, by the way, the networks were uh, CNN and Fox News. Because, as he said, he became, based on what happened last year, he became the kind of the poster boy for people on both sides of the of the whole vaccine coin, um, you know, there you had people on one side of the extreme that looked at him as you know kind of like a hero because he didn't want to take the vaccine and had his things against it, and you know they painted him that way. So you have you have that end. You had all those people that made him a a hero for his stance, and then you had. Everybody on the other end who villainized him for that very same thing. Um, And so he's now like, you know what? I don't want to be any of that to anybody. I don't want to be on, you know, I I don't want to be on anybody's side. I just kind of want to be me. So... I'm not going to talk to this outlet on one side of things. I'm not going to go talk to the other outlet on the other side of things. I'm just going to I'm going to do me. I don't know where this was a year ago, but it's a pretty convenient time to all of a sudden now start picking your places after last year you were while well, picking your places yet complaining about places not picking you or whatever whatever it is um if i were the green bay packers by the way i would probably say to aaron you know good 
don't talk to CNN. Don't talk to Fox News. But hey, um, let's let's take this to the next level. Don't talk to anybody. Maybe go talk to to McAfee because it's fun, and uh, you know you can keep an interview kind of light there. Maybe stay off some of the uh, controversial stuff. Just have a fun interview with your pal. But other than that, eh, don't really talk to anybody. Just kind of focus in on the team, focus in on the locker room, focus in on being a leader and staying healthy, which is I think the other. Uh, one of the other big things he's got to think about as he gets a little bit older, focus in on that. Maybe not so much the other stuff. And you'll be fine. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is uh, 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Tweet us um, at Sports Animals. Some of you have tweeted me at Josh on the radio. Thank you guys for uh, texting in and uh, tweeting in to the radio show. We'll follow this uh Hall of Fame game as it continues, as it's on uh, on our sister station, CBS 1500. Uh, but coming up next, the one thing that the three hours of football is helping us kind of forget for a little while. We get a Sports Center update from uh, Keegan Ota in just a moment as uh, we watch the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Myron Tongavailoa Amosa had a chance for a sack. He was in on it. Quarterback from Jacksonville, who I just at, at this point just could not care to tell you who it is because it's the fourth quarter in the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> Quarterback gets away. Tongavailoa Amosa goes down to the ground, missing him, and. Doesn't get anything out of it. Does have a tackle in the game uh, as the uh, the Raiders are up big. It is ESPN Honolulu. We are at 92.7 FM and uh, 1420 AM. Uh, one of the things this has given us a little bit of a reprieve from is the continued Deshaun Watson conversation that has been around the NFL really uh, for a while today. Um, you would think a day after hearing from um, you know that the NFL is going to appeal you you would think that a lot of what you would hear would be at least toward the the NFL would be kind of positive right again you would think and then we heard Tony Busby and uh Tony Busby is the attorney for the women who had uh, launched out their complaint, uh, their complaints against Deshaun Watson. And, uh, well, Tony Busby was not necessarily the, um, how would I put it? He was not necessarily the, the most complimentary toward the National Football League, which I thought was was kind of interesting. This was Tony Busby earlier uh, on why he called a press conference today to meet with the assembled media. Why did he do it? This was Tony Busby. We are here today with a message to the NFL. That message is simple and hopefully clear. Every victim of sexual assault is watching Robert Goodell and the NFL right now. And this idea that Mr. Goodell is going to hand it off to someone else independent 
We don't buy it. Mr. Goodell, what will you do? It's never too late to do the right thing. That's what these women and those watching are expecting. This was, I believe, before the NFL made the announcement that it was a, it was choosing someone independent to hear the appeal of the ruling from someone independent. That I think Tony Busby wanted Roger Goodell to do this himself because Tony Busby, I think, knows what Roger Goodell wants. He knows that Roger Goodell wants the full year suspension, but he also knows that, or I'm sure he should know, Roger Goodell has got to play a little bit of the political game. One of the women who was the first to sue Deshaun Watson in that uh, press conference earlier today said this, and I quote, what the actions of the NFL state to little girls who have suffered at the hands of someone perceived to have power is that it's not a big deal, that they don't care. Tough bleep. That's what I've taken from their actions. Close quote. That's um, uh, Ashley Solis, who again was one of the first individuals that put out a lawsuit against Deshaun Watson. And, and something else that the attorney Busby said, and I quote, we never expected much from the NFL investigation. We never expected much from their flawed process. But even when you know you're going to be slapped in the face, that slap still hurts and it still stings. When we received the results of the NFL's process, I asked each of the clients to weigh in. I tried to talk to each one and say, what were your thoughts on what happened? And I guess they responded by saying, six games isn't even a slap on the wrist. It's a kiss on the cheek. Close quote. Um, you can understand why there is frustration and you can understand why there is anger. And I'm not going to sit here disingenuously and tell you why they're wrong. Um, because I believe most normal people believe that a six-game suspension for what has been alleged of Deshaun Watson is um, agonizingly small and uh, unfortunately wrong. But I think the frustration has been misplaced when I see them going after the NFL, that's where that that anger, I know you have to channel it somewhere, but that's where that anger is, is taken to the wrong place. The NFL did not come down with the six-game suspension and no fine. The NFL wants to do something about it. That's why they have appealed the decision. That's why... Um, they have decided that they are going to try to get this much higher than six games. Um, this was not the NFL's fault. I mean, if you really, 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 really want to make it the NFL's fault, if you really want to put the NFL in the hot seat, the way you could do it is by saying, well, the NFL shouldn't have never worked with the Players Association to put something in the collective bargaining agreement that would give the impression 
that there is a chance that the collective bargaining agreement or that a, that a punishment could be determined by someone independent. But it's a, once again, you're, I've, I've used this phrase, many people have used this phrase many, phrase many times, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, you know, in this case, they tried to, to come off as somewhat impartial to the NFL. And guess what? They were, in, in the eyes of the attorney for these women, they were damned for doing that. Because by doing that, justice was not served. And I think you and I, for the most part, can agree. Justice was not served on, on the, uh, in, in the court of public opinion and in the court of whether you should be playing games or not. Justice was not served there. Um, you're damned if you don't. Because if the NFL doesn't give that up in the new CBA and they rule on it themselves, what happens? They rule on something it's probably taken to court. Then there's probably some kind of a back and forth, and there's some, you know, some kind of a, um, you know, conversation about whether maybe we can knock it down a little bit. We can come to some kind of an agreement between both sides. And if you do that, then you look bad there. What are you supposed to do? The point, I think. And again, we've talked about, I've used the word political here. I have used, you know, I have used many words here. But what I think the point of what Busby and uh, at least the one woman who was with him today, the point was not to pinpoint accurately who got it right and who got it wrong. That stuff, kind of insignificant, at least to them. It's not it, that's not significant. What is what is significant is that a punishment was put down of six games, and I don't think anybody wants to buy that anybody can get credit for anything that came out of it. So you're going to criticize anybody and everybody, whether they were directly involved or not, that you got to a point where six games became the punishment, and uh, even though there is an appeal, that those six games were, as they called it, it's not even a slap on the face. It's a kiss on the cheek. That's why you're hearing what you're hearing. That's why they're putting pressure. And I think what they wanted was Roger Goodell to do this himself. And that's not what they got. They didn't get Roger Goodell wanting to do this himself. They got Roger Goodell really trying to put less of it on the NFL's hands and to give the impression that this is done by someone who sees this and understands it and can be fair. Again, the politics, it's the CBA. The CBA is up in seven or eight years. And you don't want to do anything, even if it's eight years behind, that would disrupt future labor peace. Or to give any impression that you could have a work stoppage because you can't agree on things. And, and honestly, um, things like the personal conduct policy and who punishes who, it's not new. These things have been talked about before in the CBA. 
these things will continue to come up anytime a CBA is adjusted or ratified or agreed upon uh, because of the way it has been in the National Football League for so long. It will be here for a while. Don't want to do anything that is going to potentially disrupt labor peace. And I think Roger Goodell is keenly aware of that and is trying to be, well, maybe not the right word. I think he's trying to be diplomatic about it by not being the person that has this on his hands. Goodell also realizes if he rules on something and it goes to a court for whatever reason, I mean, the CBA is what the CBA is, but if he rules on something and it gets overturned or it gets questioned, it gets thrown through the court of public opinion, who does it look bad on? It looks bad on him. Roger Goodell's taken a lot of hits. He has taken a, a, a lot of jabs as his time as commissioner. And I think he's realizing in this instance, he doesn't want that. But maybe outside of playing politics, this might have been the one he should be willing to take. Think about that for a moment. Um, when you have something that has angered so many women, and no, not just women, but so many just decent, good people who know the difference between right and wrong, who know... Uh, what it means to 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 make a living, though those people, it, it's it's those people who are paying attention to what's going on, and and it are those people, uh, football fans or not football fans, that are very very clear on uh, what it is that they are paying very close attention to uh, here over the next month or so, however long this drags out. We just had a back and forth here before we came back. What do you do at the end of a game in a 27 to 11 game? What do you do? Uh, especially if you're the team that you're losing or just losing, or even if you're a team you're winning. What do you do? Uh, you got a bunch of guys who they're fighting for opportunities to be on a roster. Do you play it out like, you know, you're like normal, like the way the, the score reads it? Or um, do you play it out understanding that the score really doesn't matter and it's more so about the guys getting reps? And Keegan, what did you say to me during the commercial break on I how you would have done it? You, you start chucking it because you want to fight for a spot. Hey, I mean, even if it's 23 seconds, play it out, man. Yeah, I mean, I get it if you are a third or fourth stringer on the team and you need all the reps. Um, I think the two the two reasons why I'd go against that is, one, you have an extra preseason game. So this is game one of four where normally you're going to have three. And, uh, and I think you want to be in a position where um, you make it to game two or week one, game two. Uh, you don't want something freaky to happen to you. And then along those lines, the other part, you don't want something freaky happening to you. Um, so coaches have to be responsible. I think responsibly, 
um, you will find ways in a blowout game, and this was 27 to 11, you will find ways where you'll get guys reps. It, honestly, um, I think more so now than before, a lot of these, like, five, six minutes remaining, even if the game's not close, they don't matter as much. These preseason games now are much less about uh, seeing starters play. Starters are going to play less and less in, in the preseason because why? If if you know that they are your starter and you don't have a competition going on, then, you know, absolutely, they don't need to play. Uh, play your second stringer for a half. Play your third stringer for a – and I'm talking about the, at quarterback. Play your third stringer for a quarter. Play your fourth stringer for a quarter. Um, other positions, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, limit the pitch count, if you will, and make sure you've got uh, – you're giving as many opportunities you can to the guys who actually do need it as compared to the guys that actually don't. I think that makes a huge difference. So if this were like five years ago, then I might I might have said – I might have agreed with Keegan on – kind of playing it all out regardless of the score but I think now there are so many ample opportunities to do it with less starters playing um we had the number one pick in the draft who was uh, a starter today I don't remember the last time the number one pick in the draft is played in the hall of fame game but it is it is those players that these games uh mean a lot for as compared uh as compared to those that really really don't need it by the way, we were reminded uh, the Raiders are good in the Hall of Fame game. I don't think I don't think they've lost. I think they're four zero when when uh, participating in the Hall of Fame game. And um, we're also reminded today, as uh, uh, we went through a lot of the memories of the Hall of Fame game, we were reminded that uh, as as we miss Colt, we miss Colt Brennan. Uh, we wish he was here, but one of Colt Brennan's um, greatest memories of what was a very, very short professional career was the Hall of Fame game. And uh, the preseason opportunity he got very early on. I mean, I don't count the other one. I think he was on the Raiders, I think it was. And he was really there just to fill a roster spot because of so many injuries. But right out of high or not right out of high school right out of his time at uh and right onto the field after uh, you know after the draft process and he put on a nice show the hall of fame game gives us the memory of him and that preseason and it also gives us the uh the, the thought of what if i mean we miss colt we do uh, I don't think a day goes by where there are people who, who who don't miss him and the impact that he had here. But uh, what if, I think, is uh, two words that define him uh, in that early part of, uh, of his, uh, very short part of his professional career, what could have been built off of that? And we'll, we'll never really know. Whether you play or not, Scott texts in. It's because of fantasy football, baby. Um, I'm going to say this like 
what I, well, I guess uh, talking about why the starters don't start in preseason games. I'm going to say this almost exactly like what I said earlier about the guy who uh, bet, was it $55,000 on the Raiders minus one and minus 110 at Caesars Sportsbook. And a reminder, Keegan, um, what does that person end up getting? Because I don't give a you-know-what about the math of it because I don't I don't bet. Um, but what does that person end up getting? So you would end up getting 105. So the payout is is an additional 50000 In the end, he would leave with 105000 I will still say there's a reason why in a, in a one-minute commercial for things like FanDuel and other things that the last 30 seconds are all about the fine print and all the numbers to call in case you have a problem. Um, the preseason games are a problem. I will uh, then turn this around to if you are worrying about your fantasy football team in the preseason, uh, about whether you might have someone available, when frankly, I don't know how many fantasy football leagues have drafted yet. Um Who's doing ours this year, by the way? Because are you still doing it, Keegan? Well, I, I we haven't have we we haven't broken the news to the audience, have we? No, we haven't. Am I supposed to break the news to the audience or no? No. Okay, we'll leave everybody in suspense for the next eleven days as to what it is we might be talking about over the next eleven days. But, Keegan, since you are apparently running our fantasy football league, when's our draft? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out soon enough. Can we figure it out within the next 11 days? Sure. Whatever's happening within the next 11 days? You might as well just say it at this point. No, it's okay. Um, I'm all about suspense. Um, also, if, if we're going to figure it out here at some point, can you find a way to make sure I have the number one pick in said draft? Uh, we'll randomize it. Let's see if you're lucky. That's not the answer I was hoping for. I was just hoping that you as as commissioner and leader would just slide myself right to the top there at, at, at the number one pick, realizing that we'd probably do the snake draft and I'd have to wait a long time for another pick anyway. But I thought maybe you know, you'd, you'd consider it. I, I don't know. I, I would say that the whoever's had the number one pick in the, our last drafts have never won the, never won the league. Mm. Was it me last year? Yes, it was you that had the number one yeah, pick as well. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I didn't make the. I I missed the playoffs, um, in amazing fashion. Do you remember that last year? Yes. We were at DB Grill, in Coppolet, and my ability to make the playoffs, it was either me or you. It came down to my, our matchup, right? It yeah, it was between me and you, and it was the Rams and Cardinals. And <laughs> oh, the, the 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 stress has come back. And the Cardinals were down, right? The Cardinals were down. It was a two possession game. And I had Kyler Murray as my quarterback. And it's Kyler's bringing them down the field. You know, I'm like, hey, I I've got a chance. Kyler Murray's gonna get some points for me here. I was so close that I forget what down it was. Was it second down or third down? I, it wasn't fourth. Knowing the time and knowing how much they needed, they decided they were going to kick early. 
and I was walking around, and I forget where it was exactly I was at DB Grill when this happened. I think, you know, you know what? I was outside, and I looked, and I had to keep myself from embarrassing myself in front of people there um, because it was a very deflating moment to watch my playoff hopes land in real-life strategy, <laughs> which, you know... Fantasy football-wise, I get, I it, you know, painful. Real actual game-wise, I actually understand. I totally get it. Um, I'm not a fan of either of those teams. Totally get it. But then they got the ball back. You remember that. And there was a chance. And it didn't happen. I think I was short of, what, two points or something like that? For, I, I remember this number exactly. You were short 1.78. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. About 17 to 18 yards short of a win. All on Monday night football between the Rams and Arizona. Thank you for my playoff appearance. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Don't don't keep rubbing it in. You've, you've got 11 more days to rub it in. Uh <laughs> Hopefully a whole season to rub it in, too. Uh, Scott says he drafts this Saturday. I guess it's on us to figure out when we're drafting. Uh, let's get to work on that, shall we? And I guess I don't want to pick number one. Great work by our uh, great team today. We managed to get through a three-hour show, uh, watch what Myron Tongavailoa Mosa could do or, well, not get a chance to do uh, on the field today, uh, get through all the pertinent things, and, um, well, hey, we got fantasy football in. We, we now have pressure on uh, our current fantasy football commissioner to get something done here. Got a draft to do. Um, I've got another, if you need a little more pressure, um, I am in another league. I, I actually got invited to a media league this year. I don't know. It, it's it's like one of the signs that you actually made it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We draft on the 14th. So if we can draft before then, no, we can make it happen. Uh, let's do it. People been texting uh, or uh, tweeting into us at 808 uh, or tweeting is at Josh on the radio at Sports Animals. Devin Texan. Should Aaron Rodgers take advice from Bill Belichick on how to talk to the media in saying absolutely nothing? Um, no, because Aaron Rodgers... Well, th see, the thing is, Bill Belichick doesn't just say nothing meaningfully. He says nothing, you know, literally. He is just a few words here and a few words there. Unless you ask him about special teams, he'll give you two and a half minutes on special teams. You ask him about his quarterback, you get five seconds of very little meaning. But you see, part of that is Bill Belichick doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be in front of us. He doesn't want to talk to any of us. Bill Belichick just wants he's, – he's in the words, the great words of Marshawn Lynch. I'm there so I don't get fined. But the difference is Aaron Rodgers loves to hear the sound of his voice. And actually, I think it would be a waste of his time if he said absolutely nothing while talking to the media. 
So, um, very much so, Aaron Rodgers does not need Bill Belichick advice. Aaron Rodgers just, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers just wants to be heard. He wants to be the star, and being the star just isn't really about being a league MVP and all those things. Being a star is being seen by everybody as a star off the field. Hence, you know, Jeopardy. That didn't happen for him. And I think the folks at Jeopardy are probably pretty happy that that whole thing didn't pan out. Although, as we learned, uh, they had some other issues. One of the guys that was supposed to be a host, oh, he's had some issues behind the scenes. And all of a sudden, not only hosting, he's no longer the executive producer of Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. You remember that name, right? Mike Richards? Found out some stuff behind the scenes on Mike Richards. He goes from part-time host to having nothing to do with two of the best game shows and longest-lasting syndicated game shows of all time. Gone. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we'll we'll get you through the first full weekend of high school football. Uh, we will be, uh, honestly, we'll, we'll get uh, right out of this first uh, preseason game. Uh, we'll have a little bit of a recap of that. We'll look forward to the pigskin pig out uh, tomorrow as well. We're closing in uh, seven days away from the pigskin pig out at Murphy's. Happy to have that back. So we got a lot to do tomorrow. Coming up next, though, it is Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday night. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco. This has been the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.